Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. Well, it's great to be back with you folks on this 147th podcast as we continue to navigate our way through the book of Job. And uh, boy, what a, a podcast we had yesterday in chapter 12. And uh, looking at Job out there, he's he's talking about God's omnipotence. He's talking about his friends. They don't know what's going on. They're all wet. They're they're just hurting him. That you know, he we come out of that last podcast, Stephanie, with this idea that his friend, you know, that Job said, "Hey, listen, you're in comfort. You really don't know what's going on with me here. I got the boils. I've got the shaved heads. I've lost the kids. I've lost the ranch. I've lost the animals. And so often, those of us who've been hurt with trials and PTSD and wounded spirits, so often. Uh, people don't understand what we're telling them. And I think we got a responsibility to tell them what we're telling them. And that's what I think Job did in chapter 12. And Job came right up and said, hey, listen, uh, I understand what's going on here. I'm not an idiot. You know, I get this. Even the earth knows that God gives it water. Even the earth grows the trees. Even the earth grows the grass. Even the earth does this. I mean, constantly slamming away saying, even stuff that doesn't talk, that doesn't move, that we can step on, uh, knows that God is helping them get through. I get this. And then he talks about God's omnipotence and he takes it at a personal level and he goes down to the end of chapter 12 and out of nowhere, he says, listen, God can even stop the chiefs. He can stop presidents. He can stop potentates. He can stop leaders. He can stop all these things. And then we get to 13 and, and I think I see 13 and Stephanie and I were just talking about this, that Job is uh, defending his integrity here in this 147th podcast and, 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 you know, with his friends. And I think that's what's starting out this chapter. I, I think that's what he's doing. And uh, so, Stephanie, good morning to you. How are you this morning? Doing pretty well, Doug. That's Glad to be here. <laughs> me too. Praise God. So just to catch you folks up on what's going on with the recording, we're back on Zoom. Things seem to be working. So we have hand signals now, so you won't hear yeah, yeah very much during these particular <laughs> podcasts. Uh, but uh, anyway, that was our international signal for a while. Uh, and uh, but we, we're not doing that anymore. And uh, yeah, yeah, man, man, be quiet. It was my it's my turn or the time is up. It meant many things. It could mean I want to stop and go get a banana. I mean, it could it, it just it had so many meanings to it. But so does Job here. There's so many meetings. God uses this. And, and right away, he's saying, I'm not inferior to you. You know, look at what he's saying here in verse number two. Let's start in verse number one of chapter 13 of the book of Jonah. It says, lo, mine eye have seen all this. Mine ear have heard all and understand this. What ye know, and the same I do also, I am not inferior unto you. Imagine making that statement. Listen, he's made the statement two chapters in a row. He said, you know, stop it. Uh, surely I would speak to the Almighty and desire to reason with God, uh, but ye are forgers of lies. Ye are all physicians of no value. Wow. <laughs> of that ye might altogether hold your peace, and it should be your wisdom. Hear now my reasoning and hearkening to my pleadings of my lips. Will you speak wickedly for God and talk deceitfully for him? Will ye accept his person? Will ye contend for God? It, uh, is it good that he should search you out? Or as one man mocketh another, do ye so mark him? 
He will surely reprove you if ye do secretly accept persons. Shall not his excellency make you afraid and his dread fall upon you? Your remembrance are like ashes, your bodies to bodies of clay. Hold your peace, let me alone, that I may speak, and let come on me what will. Wherefore, do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in mine hand? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation, for a hypocrite shall not come before him. Hear diligently my speech and my declaration with your ears. Behold, I have ordered my course. I know that I shall be justified. Who is he that will plead with me? For now, if I hold my tongue, I shall give up the ghost. Only do not two things unto me, then I will not hide myself from thee. Withdraw thine hand from me, and let not my dread make me afraid. Then call thou, and I will answer, or let me speak, and answer thou me. How many are mine inequities and sins? Make me to know my transgressions and my sin. Wherefore hidest thou thy face, and holdest me for thine enemy? Will thou break a leaf driven to and fro, and will thou pursue the dry stubble? For thou writest bitter things against me, and makest me to possess the inequities of my youth. Thou puttest my feet also in the stocks, and lookest narrowly unto my past. Thou settest a print upon the heels of my feet, and he, as a rotten thing, consumeth as a garment that is moth-eating. Eaten. Man, he's just going on. Once again, he's slapping around his friends. He's talking to God. He's he's all over the place, but, he, you know, he's got the point. He's saying, you know, what is this all about? I'm, I, I'm doing everything. I get what I'm supposed to be getting. Uh, you know, without you, I wouldn't be breathing. I could give up the ghost if I stopped talking. Uh, why are you guys sitting here picking on me? You know, what is that all about? What's what's the craziness? What's going on? And, and Stephanie, as I read 13 here, he called them forgers of lies. He called them physicians of no value. I mean, what do those words speak to you? I mean, I'm, I'm giving him a thumbs up here. Yeah. Um, I think Job had had it and he was sick and tired of getting verbally abused and said enough is enough. And, um, I love how he says, lo, mine eye hath seen all this. Mine ear hath heard and understood it. In other words, I've been observant, you know, I've been watching, I've been around for a little while and I've seen how this works. And verse three, surely I would speak to the almighty and I desire to reason with God. He wants this to be between him and God yeah. working through this. Yep. And then he just slams him in verse four <laughs> and verse five. Oh, that you would all together hold your peace and it should be your wisdom. In other words, if you guys would shut up, that's the wisest <laughs> thing you could do at this point. <laughs> and, and that's what I'm um, saying. Yeah. And but verse seven is very, very um, he challenges these three guys. Will you speak wickedly for God? And for God. That was the hard thing. Yeah, it's little, and, and he's right. These guys had presented and come to Job as if they knew God. They had gotten word from him on this subject. And they were blaspheming God in the process. Yeah. And Job is challenging them here of, 
you have, <laughs> you've spoken wickedly as if you're on, you know, as if this is God trying to get my attention through you. Yeah. And you've talked deceitfully. And, and, oh, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking here too, he's, he's looking at these guys and he, he's saying, you know, if you're going to take God's side, don't do it incorrectly. I mean, exactly. the, the name wicked and wickedly, that doesn't go together with God's word. That doesn't go together with God. That's, yeah. uh, that, that's stuff you have messed up is, yeah. uh, uh, is you have these two things going on and, uh, and he points that out right away and, and it's, it's piercing to me. I mean, yeah. you know, well, you'd it's be scary. Better. Yeah. It's very scary because, um, when I go, when I go to the new Testament and I compare Bill Dead, Zophar and El, um, El, what's his name? Eliphaz. Yeah. They were they were Job's version of the Pharisees and hypocrites, yeah. and the Sadducees, that religious crowd who thought they knew everything, and thought they were the experts. And Jesus used strong words for them. He said, "You know, your whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones," yeah. and um, you know, Job called them here forgers of lies and physicians of no value, and that is a very scary thing to think about in the realm of what kind of friend are we when we have someone who has been through trauma or we have someone who's been through a trial to whatever extent that trial is yeah. are we a physician of no value are we a forger of lies are we would it be better off if we just shut up yeah. and i don't know it's a, this this very challenging thing here because Job's three friends, and I use that term loosely, I only use it because God uses that term of them, because I think they viewed themselves as Job's friends. Yeah. But they literally had put themselves in the place of God and acted as if they had gotten the mind of God personally on this subject yeah. when they couldn't have been further off. No, they, they, and, they couldn't have been, and he said, you know, and I, I'm just blown away by so much of so much of the words he's using, what he's mm -hmm. talking about, and you know the wicked words, the ashes, the bodies for bodies, the uh, mm -hmm. you know just coming out and saying you guys don't represent God, you guys represent ashes, which represent death and mourning and and uh, mm -hmm. a complete change in life. You guys, th there's no beauty in you. You guys are misrepresenting uh, a great and almighty God here. And, and you know, so many people who are hurt and injured and damaged and, and going through the trials, boy, if they come across Bildad or or Eliphaz first, Bildad, or finally Zophar, if, they, if they've got those three guys in their life, you know, their old friend, uh, old Eliphaz shows up and tries to wax eloquently and just slaps the snot out of Job. And then here comes Bildad, and, and Bildad, uh, the beginning of the higher level of uh, a squared knucklehead, comes along and just slaps the snot out of Job. And then here comes Zophar, and it's even worse. And, and I think Job has every justification here to call them forgers of lies. I think he yep. has every justification yep. to say, you're physicians of no value. It's, it'd be like me walking in a doctor down here and say, I got a stomach ache. Oh, you're fine. You got the flu. Go home. Uh, I mean, they're just, just randomly spewing. And like you yep. said, the lukewarm thing in the last podcast, it's like, regurgitating or vomiting up is these people are they're wicked or they're lukewarm they're not for god they're they're being seen 
all over the place. They're, they're everywhere you want to see them. But here's the good news. I want you to know, and I want to say this before we get too far in chapter 13, I, I just want our listeners to know that God deals with Job's friends. You know, yeah. he, he deals with them, and he's going to deal with people that we deal with wrongly. He's going to deal with us. And he's yeah. going to deal with people who are being wicked to us and misrepresenting the scripture and misrepresenting things. God's going to deal with them because he did with Job. And uh, he does that in 42, 7 and 8. And, uh, you know, and, and Job, you know, I don't know, Stephanie, the more I read about Job, the more I go back to uh, when we were at your house. And when, when I first met you, when Debbie first came on the scene, uh, within a week or two from that, and, and there was just people everywhere. And, and, and I remember there being good people. And uh, uh, I remember there being great people. But I also remember some people who were uh, forgers of lies. And, uh, uh, and, and, you, and you know, uh, doctors, they didn't know what was going on. And, and I, think that, I think that one of the biggest things that we need to do as people is have a litmus test or a Bible test on life. And if yeah. it, because a lot of us are hurting, a lot of us that listen to this, we're in that place where, where we can be nudged in a certain direction or told something wrong. And, and we can find ourselves losing a month of, of awesomeness or, or uh, losing a couple months of awesomeness in the middle of our lives uh, because of things that are said wrong, because of the Bible being translated wrong, because of all these different things that go on. I mean, we can lose periods of our life. And, and, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is Job is getting that and saying, listen, just be quiet or get it right. And, uh, you know, what do you want yeah. me to do? My flesh and my teeth? Do you want me in the last chapter? Do you want me to stop talking about it? And then who is he in verse 19 that will plead with me for now? I hold my tongue. I shall give up, uh, if I hold my tongue, I shall give up the ghost. I, I think Job's going on and saying, listen, I'm praying. I'm saying things I need. I'm telling you what's going on with me. And uh, I, I mean, what's the responsibility of somebody in the midst of a trial? And, and, and it may not be physical. It, it may be emotional. It, you know, it may be financial. And in God's family, looking at this from a picture of God's family, not from the world, uh, what's the responsibility for those in the trial, you think, uh, for the Jobs? Well, I think the responsibility comes down to what Job said in verse 15 and 16. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation, for an hypocrite shall not come before him. Mm. And... Job, did Job say some things in this book that God's going to talk to him about? Yeah. But Job was honest. Yeah. And Job, I, I, I constantly am telling people I counsel, honesty is always the best route. Yeah. And um, if you're found at fault for being honest, good. So be it. Yeah. But when jo when God talks to Job later on, is he going to confront Job on some things Job has said? Yes, because Job's held accountable for what he says. But we know what Job's going through. Yeah, we do. There's humility here. There's a soul searching. There's a he's being broken. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I see in his friends that scares me that I that I've seen 
um, in the last two years is people, Job's friends should have been broken because of what happened to Job. If they were really his friends in the true sense of friendship, what Job went through would have broken them. It would have left them going before God and, you know, becoming more like Christ. Instead, they become the experts and it's like they came and sat with him for seven days and in those seven days got together in their brains of how they would, were going to deal with this and how they were going to slap Job and get him back on track because he was messed up. And I think as when I look at this from a church perspective, as the body of Christ, when we have someone in our church or um, in our circle who has been through a trial, the last thing that that person needs is if you have friends like this, who needs enemies? I mean, let's just be honest. If you have friends like Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, I think Job's saying um, when he talks about if he doesn't speak, he's going to give up the ghost. I think Job's at the point of if you guys don't shut up, you're going to drive me to suicide. You're going to drive me over the brink of insanity. And it's time that I speak and it's time that I deal with this. And um, for the Job's, be willing to speak, being willing to talk reach out, you know, to God, if no one else, um, there was many, many times when I didn't have someone to talk to those first few months and God and I spent a lot of time talking because, um, I had to speak. If I did not talk, I was going to give up and curl up and shrivel up and die. So, um, for the jobs, be willing to speak, be honest, be transparent because, when I read the book of Job, it comforts me to know that there's somebody else out there. Yeah, you may mess up, but you're honest. And that's what God's looking for is that transparency and that willingness to just be real. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, I think that's a good, a really good explanation. And, you know, we have a responsibility and, and I think you're hitting on that, that you had no one to talk to, but God, excuse me, but God, and that's enough. I remember hearing a, I read in a book years ago, and it was talking about an evangelist from a hundred years ago, and maybe longer, 120 years ago now. And and uh, the book was uh, there was an evangelist back in the day. His name was Bob Jones Sr. And uh, way back in the day, and uh, before he started in colleges or anything like that, he would travel from church to church. And I was I was reading his biography, and he was in a church meeting out in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee. And he had preached two or three meetings on God's sufficiency, God is enough, those types of things. And on the third night he got there and he asked the pastor, he said, can we just stand up and uh, have people raise their hands and testify uh, what's going on in their life, what's God's doing in their life? And and uh, sure enough, there was a couple of people raising their hands right away. And he called on this one man right away, this older man, and took him a minute or two to get up. And he said, uh, uh, he said you know, my son died in the war. He said, my wife is dead. He said, I don't have anybody but God. And he sat down. A few minutes later, he went around asking questions and the old man raised his hand again and he said, yeah, what's up? And he said, God's enough. Mm. And uh, I think that's what we're trying to get to here. And that was enough. And I think that's the greatest part of that story from that man. You know, the wife's gone. My son's dead. My wife's dead. It's just me. All I have is God. Sits back down, gets back up and says, you know, Dr. Bob, that was enough. I read that book years ago, and that, that's had made such an impression on me. 
it's made such an impression on me that God was enough. And uh, I was with a gentleman at, at, at Pensacola Christian College uh, uh, back at their missions conference in the fall with Debbie and a gentleman rented us. He had rented a suite, a mainstay suite, and uh, uh, contacted us and said, hey, we, we hear you're looking for a room. I'll sell you this suite for about half price. And, and I mean, the trials of the world were steeped upon this guy. Uh, you could tell they had been weeping and gnashing and crying, but he was the most gracious, wonderful man. And you say, why? Because God was enough. So Stephanie, take a couple minutes and, and, and talk on that subject for a minute of God being enough. Well, I think um, when I think when when I look back at when Charles was killed, um, it, it's funny because we had people say in those first few months, you know, did you really lose everything? And um, it's it's almost funny now because I don't even remember the fact that I didn't have anything mattering at that point. Um, I had my eight kids. We had clothes, we had enough food, and we were all alive. And um, I think what Job says that that verse fifteen has been so precious to me um, since Charles died, and of just verbalizing, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. And the last part of verse fifteen is so powerful. Because he's saying, God, even if you kill me, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to maintain my walk with you. Yeah. He says, I will maintain my own ways before him. I'm going to continue looking to you. I'm going to keep coming to you. I am not letting go of you. And I think of Jacob when he wrestled with God. Yeah. And the night before he met Esau and Jacob said, I will not let thee go until thou bless me. Yeah. And that idea of Job said, God, I'm not letting go of you because yeah. I know in the end, you're the only one I can trust. Even if you kill me, I know you're the only one I can fully put my hope, my confidence, my trust in. Oh, yeah. And that, I think, is what I, when I look at this chapter, that's what I see is a heart of trust. Yeah, no, and that's good. I think starting in 20, he's pleading his case to God again. Only do not do two things unto me, then I will hide myself from thee. Withdraw thine hand from me, and let not thy dread make me afraid. He's asking God, help me, keep me, uh, mm -hmm. take away the fear, replace it with faith. Mm -hmm. Then call you, and I will answer, or I will speak. He's wanting to speak with God here. How many of mine inequities and sins? He's wanting to know the number. They're, they're everywhere. Wherefore, hidest thou thy face, and holdest me for thine enemy? And will thou break a leaf? That was a question, by the way. Where, wherefore, hidest thou thy face, and holdest thee for thy enemy? He's saying, will you do that? Will thou break a leaf driven to and fro, and will thou pursue the dry stubble? For thou writest bitter things against me, and makest me to possess the inequities of my youth. Thou puttest my feet also in stocks, and lookest narrowly unto my past. Thou settest a print upon the heels of my feet, and he has a rotten thing consumed as a garment of moth-eating. And boy, Job went to God. You know, folks, we got to go to God today. No matter what's going on in your life, go to God. Just go to God. He can help you with it. What an honor it is to come out into your airways, and uh, we're just thrilled to do that. May God bless you, and we look forward to talking with you tomorrow. Have a great day. A few words for you right here.
Thank you for listening to our podcast today. One of the more exciting things about our ministry is being able to tell people how they can know for sure they're saved and believe in Jesus Christ and spend eternity in heaven. The Bible tells us there's four things we need to know to be saved. The first thing it tells us is we're all sinners. The Bible says there are none righteous. It says that everybody in the world is a sinner. The second thing that the Bible teaches us is there's a price on sin. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. The third thing and the good news that the Bible teaches us today is it says, but God commendeth his love toward us while we were yet sinners before we were even born, Christ died for us. So we can know we're a sinner. We can know there's a price on sin, but thank God that Christ died for us. Then the Bible says we must speak it in our mouth and believe it in our heart that all we need to do is pray to God, believe it in our heart that Christ has died for our sins and ask him to save us in Jesus Christ's name. And you know what, folks? He will. If we can do anything to help you in that area, please send us a message. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources and to help continue this podcast, visit us at woundedspirits.com. Dot com.